For a long time now, I thought I was just a survivor, but I'm not. I'm the winner. That's who I am. The Time Lord Victorious. Thank you very much for downloading the Trap One podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Keith. And I'm James. So, on this episode, we're going to talk about Genetics of the Daleks, the final entry in the Time Lord Victorious series from Big Finish. And the brilliant Tom Baker gets involved in the Victorious action, um, albeit slightly tangentially to the, the main story. And as we record this, on the great man's 87th birthday. Goodness me. Yes, happy birthday, Tom. Yeah. And, uh, and still going strong and doing fantastic work for, for Big Finish. Still uh, lots of Thomas Baker, which is an outbreak. I know. Yeah. Shocking. So this story kind of follows on last time we talked about mutually assured destruction, which saw the, um, the apparent destruction of the Dalek Time Squad um, at the hands of the Eighth Doctor. Um, as they escape from the dark times. The hands of the Eighth Doctor and of the uh, Executioner. Yes. Yes. Ironically. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Executioner did a, bit, did a bit of damage to the Dalek ship in the course of the story. And then the Doctor blew up the Dalek scientist, which, which took a bit of the ship with it as well, didn't he? <laughs> uh, so, the, a Dalek drone, a single Dalek drone has survived that. Um, and I think this is the drone. I think this is supposed to be the drone that's from the, the Time Lord Victorious trailer. And if you remember this, where there's a... Oh, yes, floating in space. Yeah. I am the last, but I survive. I will repair because... I must warn the universe about the Doctor! I wonder yeah. if it was that one. It was the one from the um, figurine collection short story thing. Well, which I've not read, so I don't know. I think it's one in the same. So, I... No, yeah, I bought the, the figurine collection, the Dalek Emperor and the Dalek Drone. Mainly for the Emperor, not, not the drone. Yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think they put a good one with a with a not so interesting one, so that you know if uh, uh, you know if they put like the the strategist and the Emperor together, I bought that one and, and no others. But yeah, these these things come with booklets <laughs> that have got sort of information about the characters and a short story by James Goss that that ties into the the Time of Victorious. And this this the story that comes with the with the drone is called the Last Message. And it is the Emperor, the Golden Emperor from the animated series, picking up that message that the drone in the trailer is transmitting, saying, I need to uh, warn the universe about the Doctor because this drone has, uh, you know, he's, he's seen all the Time Lord Victoria stuff. Um, the Emperor receives it, sees the uh, which Dalek drone it is that's transmitted it, and realizes that that drone is still on Scarrow so that in in its future it must travel back in time because this is a, he picked up this really old message from millennia ago um so in order to find out a bit about what's going on he decides they need to go to the archive of islos ah 
yeah. which prompts the uh, the storyline in the the Daleks animation series. Uh, yeah. So it's a nice little link from this story uh, or through through um, mutual assured destruction through the story we're going to talk about, the last message, and then into the animated series, which is where the Dalek storyline sort of starts as well. So there's a nice circularity to that. Oh, excellent. I like that. Yeah, that's really clever. I mean, there was part of me, uh, as we talked about on our last um, our last conversation, there was part of me that I, w- I was really hoping it was the Dalek strategist that oh. had survived. Um but, it, but it's not. It's just a, a Dalek drone. But uh, part of me wanted it to be the strategist that had somehow washed up in this uh, ship. Yeah, I, I still cling to the hope that the strategist has survived. That he had something up his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be some sort of trans like in a shirt, yeah. <laughs> transtemporal shift or something that that would have happened at the last minute just to yeah. to rescue it. Maybe he took the Doctor's heat shield thing that um, that he had throughout that last story that he, he took from the cowboy planet in He Kills Me, He Kills Me Not. Maybe something like that happened. Something very clever. We can dream. Devious, I'm sure. Yeah. He fell out the ship in the vortex. He could literally turn up anywhere, couldn't he? Yeah. Mm. That's true. So the this story serves as a prequel as well to the... Time Lord Victorious Escape Room, which is called A Dalek Awakens, um, which presumably explains what once you're in that escape room, it's on the uh, the Starship Future, um, how how it how the Dalek ends up being there, and um, I guess how there's nobody nobody else alive in there. Uh-huh. So presumably, the escapees are going to be like people from cryogenics who are sort of like woken up and have to get off the ship. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I've only done one escape room, and um, I wasn't. You weren't sort of playing a character in it. I'm not sure. It's no. It's normally it's trying to find it's a series of clues, isn't it? To open yeah. a door or to do to do something. So it might. It might be. Um, I'm assuming this Helix computer we were like giving people. Yes. Clues. Yeah. I thought that's quite a prominent thing that they've sort of like kept pushing to the fore, didn't they? So I'm assuming. Helix will be giving clues to their participants. Yeah, it hadn't occurred to me that there'd be a role play element of it. But thinking about it, the one that I did, it was um, we were trapped in Sherlock Holmes's study, um, and uh, uh-huh. Sherlock Holmes himself had left a series of clues to um, to to get you out. I'm just remembering now. Actually, there was a point when we did it where <laughs> I thought um, a bit of role reversal from Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> I just remembered that there was a point in it when, because um, there's a there's a guy outside and he's watching you on on the camera, and um, if you're really really stuck, he'll he'll sort of um, uh, sort of put a message over the over the tannoy to help you. Look at the aspidistra. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and at one point, he came into the room and he said, uh, "Just thinking, it's getting a bit chilly. I'll put the fire on for you." So he put the fire <laughs> on and then left again. And we all looked at each other and went, "Chilly." Hmm, Chile. There's a map of the world on the wall over there. So we went over and we were looking at Chile. But it turns out it was just that the room was getting quite cold because it was February. And he was just putting the fire on to make it warm. So, uh, yeah. So oh, brilliant. 
broke the spell. Is that we saw a bizarre Dalek on the stairs? It was, yeah. So yeah. this, um, so this is in Carlisle, where where me and Keith lived. There's uh, there's some escape rooms, and um, yeah, there's like a very homemade Dalek as you go into the place. Um, the head is made out of the voice changer helmet. Oh yes, which oh, is right. probably about half the size of a <laughs> of a full size Dalek, and the, then the rest of the body is a bit more full size, but it's. <laughs> it's a it's an odd looking homemade. Uh, yeah, I'll. Um, oh, I'm in an escape room with a Dalek. So actually, you were ahead of the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I've, I've got a photo with that. If I can find it, I'll um, I'll put it in the show notes or something. <laughs> if it ever gets to reopen, the BBC can sue them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what I really like the setup to this story, mm. the. I thought it was very clever the way we we meet the, some of the main characters as they're coming out of cryogenic sleep. Yeah. So it was a really uh, deft way of providing exposition because uh, the you know the people waking them up had to explain sort of how how long through the mission they were and what had been going on, just as a natural function of waking them up to do their jobs. So it was less clumsy expedition than you sometimes get in this type of story. So I thought that was yeah. clever. And then the way the characters are set up in sort of pairs. So yeah. the the captain and the pilot are the sort of uh, their genuine crew of this ship. And then you've got Chuke and Swan who are criminals who have usurped real members. And then you've got Brooke who's the scientist and the Dalek that he is um, that they've sort of found in space that's, that's frozen in ice. And, and Brooke's been taken over by the Dalek. So there's, mm. I found the characters quite memorable. Even the names maybe more memorable than some than some stories. Uh, and I think I, it's the way they set up like that. Yeah, and the, and I, I agree with you. It's because the Doctor doesn't come in until a bit later on. So you've got this sort 17 of minutes and twenty seventy. I I put that on my notes actually. Seventeen yeah. minutes because I was kind of like. Wow, there's lots going on before. It's like he a nearly episode there. of the old series, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and and I I felt it was very old series. In the in, when I was listening to it, I was like, this could have been, you know, a Tom Baker story that fitted into one of those seasons because it was kind of like you had this ship where there was lots of different plots already going on, and then the Doctor just sort of uh, is put there by the Time Lords at the beginning. They could even get from the wheel um, from the Ark in space, couldn't they? Yeah, mm. uh, and he's he's just dropped into the middle of it, and and immediately has to work out what's going on. And and, and uh, I loved this story and the fact that uh, one person would suddenly discover one puzzle piece, but had no idea what was happening elsewhere on the ship. So you had all you had these these like you say these pairings, all have got their own sort of motivation and their own. Um, agenda but they don't quite understand how they all fit in together um and and i found that really interesting to listen to because you had the doctor who was trying to work it out in the same way that the listener is trying to work it out as if to say well you know who's who's the real bad guy here what's what's actually happening and at various points people thought they had the upper hand when actually they didn't And and i thought that was really fun to listen to I really like the way that Swan was really quite an effective security uh, operative as well. She was like she went into the role as sort of like as the uh, head of security really well, and she actually carried out her job perfectly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's that criminal mind thing, isn't it? The uh, 
uh, uh, poacher turned gamekeeper. Oh, I never thought of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and the way that some of the things were revealed were just really neat. So when um, uh, Finn Flynn realize, Finn realizes Finn. Uh, that Swan isn't who she says, and it's that thing of working out how long she was in stasis. Yeah, but then that, that it was interrupted, and that was when she got swapped over. Um, and the way that the Doctor wins the trust of the Captain as well. Uh, yeah, I, I like brilliant. that. I think well, that's that, very clever. Yeah, that he's he's locked in this cell, and then the the, the electric bars or the, the laser bars get turned off. So he calls the captain and says, "My cell's been deactivated," and she thinks, "Well, this is this is how he's proven his um, his innocence." Because we've seen that sort of thing of the the doctor turning up on a ship, uh, being mistaken for a stowaway or a saboteur or something, <clears> time after time. Um, where you've got sort of limited time like this, it was a really neat way of doing that. I was quite glad about that because I'm get quite impatient with the uh, doctor being accused of things he hasn't done at the beginning of stories. Because I always think we've we've seen that too often, really. Yeah, it, yeah. It's normally arrested or accused within the first sort of couple of minutes, um, and then I, I I agree. I I liked the way that he managed to get her trust so quickly other you know rather than going along with the the plan which was to try and frame him for mm. all the mysterious things that were happening because that i think that would have been a bit formulaic i suppose it makes sense of of why the psychic paper came in in the new series because you've got the the shorter oh, running length of stories things up no end yes you're right and it, it's a it's a really good tom baker performance as well he just really seems to be having fun with it he, it's you know he, he's quite um sort of tongue-in-cheek sometimes he's um you know he, he just has that way of of saying things where he's saying something else really but um i i just thought it was it was a delight to listen to him interacting with the lines, characters didn't he? i mean the game did Especially when he's talking to the dalek he says am i your favorite when he's like discussing <laughs> the other doctors i thought that was excellent <laughs> yeah yeah, because yeah, there was that moment, wasn't there, where he was talking to the Dalek, and the Dalek was trying to tell him about the, the you know, the the Tenth Doctor. I'm assuming he's talking about the, the um, Time Lord Victorious, mm. and the Doctor is is just, you know, he. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting one because it, it is very different to to the Time Lord Victorious, and and very different uh, outlook but the doctor kind of just shrugs it and goes well you know he was it a, like he really doesn't really believe it does it so no he doesn't really believe it He's, he, he kind of just goes i'm sure that won't happen um whereas the dialect's really trying to um egg him on sort of like really mm. sort of get to him but the doctor sort of shrugs it off it's, it's quite an interesting scene between the two of them yeah, it really quite reminded me of the, the out-of-time story where you've got the 4th and 10th Doctor meeting and the 10th Doctor's... And it's set in a similar sort of period, I guess, because it's set mm. between the waters of Mars and the end of time and the 10th Doctor's all angsty. And the 4th Doctor's just like, ah, you know, whatever, just get on with it. <laughs> uh, he's kind of like that here, isn't he? He doesn't want to be drawn into any any angsty stuff. Or, But I did think as well that Dalek doesn't really give him enough to go on to no. be able to recognise um, 
this encounter when it happens for him in his future <laughs> incarnations he just says oh well we had a battle and he destroyed the Dalek time squad um, you know the Doctor's going to face the Dalek so many other times um, it's not um, it's probably not that distinctive for him to remember plus it's centuries in his future as well isn't it bad for the but I thought there was there was elements of the story were quite similar to other stories so you've got like a a lone Dalek who's damaged and, you know, his is sort of plotting away. And I was thinking, I know we talked previously about um, revolution of the Daleks, where you, you've just got one lone Dalek. And I think the line is made, you should always be scared of one Dalek. And mm. it's, it's that element of they're always plotting, they're always trying to, to, to come back. And he's, this Dalek is obviously... Um, at one point is trying to build new Dalek bodies, but at the same time is mutating the humans in, in the cryo status unit. So the, there is a, there is some similarities there with other um, Doctor Who stories. I was thinking about the, the Colin Baker one, you know, where the Davros was was converting the the bodies of the dead into into Daleks and you know people that were dying, and, and I thought here it was just very succinctly put um, lots of those strands there's a hint of power of the Daleks with like the Daleks manipulating a scientist isn't it mm. yeah and the sort of you know crazy uh, scientist <laughs> the, yeah. is it the fabricator they call it yeah yeah the, like as, instead of the production line mm. which is also it, like revolution isn't it where you've got the, the 3D printing of the Dalek the 3D printer yeah and, and the other thing is the Dalek being out of its casing and, and speaking and manipulating, uh, speaking to somebody and manipulating them. Is and hiding. <laughs> yeah. Mm. It, it's like both of the Chibnall era Dalek stories that um, it's, yeah, and there's a lot of nice sort of squelchy sound effects as well as it, <laughs> as it moves. And when they open the stasis pods later on and the people have been converted into half Daleks or, or Dalek mutants. And, uh, yeah, it's really sort of queasy sounding effects. Mm. And I it, think that finally breaks one as well. I think from that moment on, when she sort of like joins the side of the angels, doesn't she? Yeah. I was going to say, pretty big alien influence as well, isn't there, with the people in stasis and the, uh, you yeah. know, the, the sort of really long term mission, but the uh, being infected uh, like, like they are with the aliens. I found it, I found my sort of thing when I, when I was reflecting on it after the second time I, I listened to it. It's actually really grim. Some of the things that happen, like the children being converted to Dalek mutants, you know, mm-hmm. Finley's family, um, you know, Swan um, kills herself to, to blow up the fabricator. You know, even the end when you think, oh, the Doctor's won and goes off in the TARDIS, and no, you're not done yet. Um, there, there is a sort of... Um, Sort of, you know, underlying current that that actually this Dalek kills pretty much everything, mm. um, and even though the Doctor sort of thinks he saved the day and goes off, he hasn't. It's, in, it's incredibly bleak. Yeah, mm. actually, I've written a grim ending. So uh, yes, mm. like you can see my notes <laughs> throughout as well. Though, like you say, apart from the apart from the, the all the people and the children being converted, there's uh, Chuke is threatening. Finn's family as well yeah 
And then the captain says, we'll just switch all the machines off, which is going to kill Finn's family. So there's, yeah, it's quite a sort of brutal, ruthless edge to it. And then the family is converted to Daleks anyway. Yeah. And and then he gets exterminated at the end. Mm. I did write, why did she just cut the power? Because she's having a go at him but not doing it. So, well, yeah. you can flick the switch as well, missus. You can just do it. <laughs> <laughs> really relying on him to do it, wasn't it? She's great, isn't he? I, I only realised at the end it's um, it's Mrs. Britas that's yes. playing the yeah. captain. Oh, right. The whole thing, I'm trying to... Where do I know her voice from? Now I know. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And Clive Mantle as Cheek was, was suitably villainous as well. I recognise uh, her voice. I was just thinking, I know you from somewhere. Mm. Yeah. And I could have just looked it up, of course, but didn't. <laughs> It was it was in the making of when it was Pippa Haywood. I remember the name from the uh, British Empire credits. It's a good job Tom Baker gets some good lines though, because he doesn't. The Doctor doesn't do a great deal in it. And say he comes in very late. Mm. Um, the Captain gets rid of the mutants. Swan gets rid of the um, Dalek replicator. The Doctor completely fails to destroy the actual Dalek, and then he goes. So yeah, good lines <laughs> is all he's got to recommend him for, really, because he's not one of his successes. That's the other thing that's a bit like Aliens, uh, is the airlock thing. That was um, that was the other thing that I'd, uh, I'd forgotten to note that down. But the that's how they get rid of all the Daleks, isn't it, that have been converted. Mm. They uh, they open the airlock and get them all uh, sucked down to space like the Alien Queen. But the captain similar to Revolution as well. Yeah, mm. the captain ends up being killed as well, doesn't she? She yeah. she doesn't get a spacesuit in time and ends up. Going yeah. out with the mutants. It's a, a really horrible death scream as well, so she doesn't die. Yeah. And so does Swan. Like the, the idea that she's uh, she's in that Dalek replicator and, the, and the, the sort of the human body being in there while it's trying to replicate a Dalek blows it up. But, so it's tombed alive, yeah. Yeah, and you're getting this idea of all these sort of Dalek parts like maybe slamming into her or trying to occupy the same space. And yeah, her death screams are really, really awful too. They're not a happy listener, the whole thing. No. No, if you're like a cheerful Tom Baker when you get home from work, this won't be the one. Yeah. <laughs> but I'd say, I still really enjoy it. I, I, it, mm. it feels like a classic episode, but with more recent Daleks in it. Yeah. It's a weird, you know, it's a weird mix. And, and, and part of me hopes that at some point, either Tom Baker or one of the, one of the other Doctors is going to come across this ship um, with the same Dalek and actually finish the job, you know mm. that this we now have this ship floating around with a with a Dalek on it. I think that's maybe it's been a voiceover for the escape room. Yeah, it's like at the very end, he goes, "Well, I'm glad you sorted that out because I didn't." Yeah. <laughs> oh, could be, could be. Yeah, I think that's going to be up to the uh, the punters in the escape room to sort it out, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hope they don't listen to this story first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they'll be, be okay, kids. Every, uh, everybody else has died. Here yeah. we go. You have to go now. <laughs> so a great treat for the kids. We're going to take them to the escape room. We're going to listen to this story on the way. <laughs> they'll be terrified and traumatized. Exterminating bloke on the way in. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I got. Why not revive the accomplice first? Mm. He woke up the pilot, then he sort of went through this subterfuge of like trying to tell her afterwards. So I bit of big fish who woke this one up first. Yeah, there wasn't many people on the ship, so I was kind of like thinking, well, if you just 
defrosted a couple more, you could take control quite easily. Um, yeah, given the small number of crew that are actually active. Mm. And again, we, we talked on our last um, conversation around Dalek purity. Yeah, total reversal on this one. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You, you've got a Dalek that's, that's prepared to to basically mutate humans into into Daleks. And part of me thinks that there's, for some Daleks, it's obviously just the survival of the Dalek race. For others, it is the racial purity. So mm. it's, um, it's, it's very mixed um, signals. It goes much further in the Time Lord Victoria's book, uh, All Flesh is Grass, where they make a Dalek great vampire hybrid um, so, so you've got okay. it's, it's a it's sort of undead Daleks. It's a bit like the Cyberlords from uh, yeah. the, uh, the the series twelve finale, mm. you know, where they um, the Cybermen keep regenerating because they can't be killed. You've got these these undead Daleks then that uh, that, that can't be killed as well. Um, so it's very much in keeping with some of the themes of Time Lord Victorious or the the Dalek side of it, anyway. Mm. I've also got Dalek gives the Time Lord Victorious a massive build-up to a massive anticlimax like Zagreus and the War Doctor. Because, <laughs> <laughs> again, it's one of those things which like promised much and did very little, isn't it, the Time Lord Victorious in the end? Yeah, I think the the, the bulk of the action, I think we discussed last time, it happens in the books. So the there there are some pretty big battles and, and stuff in there that, um, that are sort of epic and, and universe-changing. Whereas the, the audio is a little bit more on the periphery. Yeah. You would say the actual doctor himself, though, was more or less himself. He didn't sort of, like, change character or become particularly evil. He was just... Yeah, I think... Uh, his circumstances, really. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we said on that on that podcast is, uh, yeah, like you say, the war doctor, the way he, in the big Finnish stories, the war doctor doesn't really do anything that any of the other doctors wouldn't do, um, you know, that, that really justify him giving up the title of doctor. Um, the Time Lord Victorious doesn't really do that much more that, than any of the other Doctors would, would do in that situation, I think. So really, but, the whole premise is a wee bit flawed, really. I always thought there was a great potential with um, particularly Tennant's portrayal that, you know, there are those flashes. Even in his first episode, um, when he kills the Sycorax, there are those flashes of, uh, not evil, but that it darkness. Um, and again, you see that in Waters of Mars, where he confronts Adeline, 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 Adeline. you know, and says, "I am the Time Lord Victorious, and I can do what I want." And and even she realizes that's you know that's gone way too far. Um, so I, I always thought there was that that possibility that there was that darkness, and I, mm-hmm. but to me, that's what I always thought. Time Lord Victorious was him crossing that line. Yeah, he do, he just he basically just sort of does one big thing um, in the first book, um, but it yeah it's uh, it's 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 sort I think of, then he kind of just tricks them. He doesn't sort of like like do something like explode a bomb or something like that. No. He he just sort of like um, tricks them into it. Yeah, and I think it's very much in keeping with the Doctor to use an uh, an alien aggressor's technology against them. Which is what yeah. he basically does. Um, 
So, yeah. Um, and I think it's that thing with the 10th Doctor as well, just going back to what you said there, James, of, of the idea that he has to have somebody, a companion with him, to hold him back and to keep him, he keep his morality straight. Uh, that he doesn't have after he stops traveling with Donna. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's not. It's not what I guess I thought. You know, early on in Time Lord Victorious, that he was going to be out of control, and the other two Doctors were going to kind of bring him down. Doesn't quite pan out like that. But overall, I have enjoyed the Time Lord Victorious, um, and I'm, you know, I'm glad we've got it. There's some great stories within it that that stand alone and and, and work. You know, I think I think it's broadened, you know, the the sort of Doctor Who universe, if you like. I think it's it's managed to to stretch things out. It's introduced new characters. It's it's given old characters, you know, like the Daleks, new life because you have these new sort of Dalek characters which are not as two dimensional. Mm. Um, so and, uh, so I think from that, yeah, I I agree. I I have enjoyed it. Um, could have been, like as we just said, could have been a little bit more, mm. but um, on the whole, it's been it's been it's been good. Yeah, if you, especially with, with everything locked down and everything like that, then having more Doctor Who content isn't a bad thing. Uh, and the animated series, I think, as we said last time, is was a real treat, and I'd love to see more of that. And it's probably something that potentially is easier to produce under current circumstances. Yeah, well, it's a lot easier to animate anything that doesn't have legs as well, so Daleks are perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you mean we're not going to get the Cyberman cartoon series coming? It's less likely. <laughs> but we can have the quarks. We could. <laughs> yes, we could. <laughs> Actually, don't think we can, because I think that would be a big rights issue with the, uh, <laughs> the people who created them. Uh, I don't think they're big fans of the BBC these days, are they? Ah, uh, right. Oh, That's a shame. We're That's sad, it. that one. A six-part series with them. I mean, that would have been bliss. <laughs> to be fair, they have legs as well. <laughs> oh, they do, yes. don't they? Yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I was only stubby ones. I was only picturing the top half of them. Yeah, I forgot that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crotons. Well, no legs, rubber skirts. So I don't know if they'd work. Yeah. <laughs> War machines. Yeah. Yeah. Jumblies. Aww. So that'd be quite cute. They could do a sitcom with them, at home with the Chumblies. <laughs> Possibilities are endless. Big <laughs> finish will probably produce them, won't they? Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're moving into animation, aren't they, with the uh, Fury from the Deep that we had uh, in 2020. Oh, were they involved in that? Uh, yeah, I think Big Finish's. I think I'm right saying Big Finish's animation arm. Where, yeah. where, where it was made that, yeah. Um, and then, I don't think it's officially announced, is it? But the rumours are that this year we'll see Evil of the Daleks and the Abominable Snowman animated. Ooh. We're definitely getting part three of Web of Fear, aren't we? Yes, yeah, that's been announced. I'm not sure which animation house is doing that. Um, you know, whether it's the ones that uh, that do the Daleks or the ones that do that did... 
fear from the deep. I guess whoever's doing the abominable snowmen, because they'll have the Yeti, won't they? Yeah. yeah. That uh, Blu-ray of all those Doctor Who, random Doctor Who stories makes a lot more sense now. We've sort of come to the end of Time of Victorious, doesn't it? Because there's going to be quite random episodes. But now yeah. things like State of the Cave make a lot more sense. Yeah, especially yeah, in light of the, the second book, yeah. Yeah, that was odd when they announced that. It was kind of like, what on earth do all these things have in common? Um, but I, any, I must not buy that, but then I thought that cover is so good, so I was very torn. Did you buy it? No, not yet. Uh, I'm waiting for it to get cheaper because the artwork yeah. was beautiful. <laughs> but I thought I genuinely can't just buy this. I've got literally every one of those stories on Blu-ray already. <laughs> yeah, they're I'm all ones very tempted. been out in the collection sets already, aren't they? Yeah, because I remember James Goss saying an interview or maybe a tweet from him saying that the reason that Planet of the Daleks is on there is because it, it ties into, I think, episode three of the Daleks cartoon. But I guess I didn't really get from the cartoon that... Uh, that it army, was the frozen Daleks. Yeah. Uh, I didn't think that was period on either room. No. But maybe just yeah, uh, to see the idea of a... Of a of a, uh, an army being stored underground for future use, maybe. I suppose they wanted a Dalek story. They've already got converted to Blu-ray, so it's probably the real reason. Yeah. Was Genesis on it or not? I can't remember. No, I can't remember. Uh, Genesis was, yeah. So you've got Planet of the Daleks, Genesis. They basically you two um, <coughs> stories, which are Dalek stories, which are on Blu-ray. On that yeah. Uh, Deadly Assassin, State of Decay. <coughs> Curse of Fenric, and then you've got the Runaway Bride, um, and then Waters of Mars. Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's just to show him being ruthless, is it? At the end, I think. Yeah, dark time creation of the universe, uh, creation of Earth and the dark times, maybe. I think Ragnos and Fenric being from the dark times. I think uh, they're name checked only in um, in the in the in the books. The Waters of Mars is the one that's set immediately before the first book. Yeah, because um, that's when he calls himself the Time Lord Victorious, doesn't yeah. he? And yeah. Basically, says I've he's the last Time Lord, so he can decide what happens. Gadget, gadget. <laughs> I think the Deadly Assassin. That's maybe the one that's that's the least connected in a way, because mm-hmm. right? it made me think that the Master would maybe turn up at some point. I know he's in the the short trip. One of the short trips, um, Master Thief. Yes. His only involvement. So I thought maybe we would see that emaciated master from the Deadly Assassin at some point during the story. Maybe it was just for the Time Lord Collars? Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. The, I, yeah, I can see the connection with all the others, but I'm not, like you say, it's a bit of an odd. And it's a Time Lord story. They've got on, as they again converted to Blu ray, haven't it? So I suppose it. It makes sense in his work. Yeah. True. So what's been your, as, as this is the end of Time Lord Victorious, pretty much, what's been your favourite then? I would say the books for me. Re- yeah. really enjoyed the books, and, and they, they're the sort of the, uh, the tent poles that everything else hangs off and, uh, and, and spins off from. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed it all, really, but the books mainly, I think. How about you? 
I because I've not read the books. Mm. Um, I have to say the the cartoon series was definitely a highlight. Um, but but also I would say the the first one, the one with Brian the Ude, which is which is not really you know when it doesn't sort of get into the Daleks and and, and most of what's happening. But I just like that that story and that character. Um, so that was that's one I could quite happily listen to again and again. It's quite quite fun. Uh, when Paul McGann's doing all the different voices and stuff. It's a, it's a much lighter episode when you consider what's to come. Yeah, definitely. How about you, Keith? I like the uh, mutually assured destruction for the Dalek politics. That was quite good fun. Mm. And this is going to be really shallow, but my little um, Emperor Dalek figurine as well. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I bought that as well. Um, I justified it to myself that it was in the Forbidden Planet sale, but they'd only knocked one pound off it. <laughs> <laughs> you were just like, yep, oh, yeah. I'm having that. So I to... never justify anything to myself food-wise. <laughs> I just do that. <laughs> That's why I've got a house full of tap. <laughs> Um, well, I haven't really gone in for the for much of the Eagle Moss. I've got I've got uh, one or two of the the Tardis consoles, um, but but not. Not too much with the Eagle Moss. I feel like it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and I'm starting to go down it. I've got quite a few now. Yeah. I've got uh, a master, um, Sasha Dewan master, which I adore. And I'm still waiting for my Fugitive Doctor, which is, I click on every day to see if it's released yet, and it still isn't. Oh. I shall definitely get that when it comes out, because I can't imagine um, we'll, we'll get an action figure. Thanks, yeah. Kevin, because if they can find an appropriate costume, I suppose they could always repaint one, but... Uh, Mm. It's a, it's always a uh, must not go online when I've had a few gins. Yeah. <laughs> this is just like it comes up on my Facebook, and I'm just like, mm, I'll just have a look and see what's uh, what's available at the moment. But I literally banned myself on eBay on payday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very good. This is a very yeah. good idea. I've got quite good at these days. <laughs> I, I am tempted to get the because I think the strategist comes in a pack with the Executioner. Executioner, yes, yeah. I was thinking that. <laughs> I'm, I'm tempted by that one because the, the strategist is such a great character, and I like the Executioner as well. It's it's a cool design, isn't it? So, it, yeah, I, I probably will end up getting that one. The strategist is like a beaten-up old Dalek, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah, yeah, he's not a Dalek, yeah. One, yeah. Of the, one of the very original ones, but, yeah, it's got like a cracked eyepiece, and it's uh, it's kind of rusty and beaten up. Um, it's cool. I thought maybe we'd learn a bit more about the strategist, and may, maybe we will in the short story that, that that comes with it if I buy it. But the the graphic novel, Defender of the Daleks, it does suggest that there is something a bit special about it. And I didn't know whether it was maybe from the original Dalek story or something like that. But something not oh, just the wisdom of the years then. No, there's this sort of talk in that because it's a tenth Doctor story where he's uh, he goes to that Dalek city and uh, and ends up helping the Daleks about how it's older than the Emperor and um, the Doctor sort of digs a little bit but he doesn't really get anything out of it and I thought oh I wonder if that's going to pay yeah. later on but but it doesn't. He's, the, he's supposed to be the oldest Dalek in existence. I think there's, there's a suggestion of that, yeah. So maybe it. Um, you know, maybe it was on Scarrow when the first Doctor and Ian and Barbara, Susan, landed there. 
was just uh, just reading reading about it online, and it was the Dalek Prime strategist Dalek mutant form was purple with a single yellow eye, apparently, according to Defender of the Daleks comic. Right. Cool. Yeah. I read that. I read that. One. I need to read that again, really, um, in light of having seen the rest of um, uh, or, or read and listened to the rest of Time Lord Victorious. I think. Mm. But yeah, I do love. I do love the the strategist, and like you say, hope we see him again crop up with some new nefarious scheme. Yeah, with somebody to bitch with as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely works better when he's got an, a, another Dalek antagonist. So. Hmm. Time squad tales from Big Finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More cartoons, please. But, uh, hopefully, you'll get home and, uh, and reunite with the with the Golden Emperor. <laughs> well, that's our show. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, if you let our listeners know where we can find you on the internet, Keith. Oh, I'm still on Twitter somewhere. That's fifty dw fifty. Uh, yeah, and uh, I am uh, on Twitter also, at uh, Jixter2009. I'm at Quark McMullis, and you can follow the podcast at Trap1 underscore and find all our previous episodes at trap1.podbean.com. Um, and if you're feeling particularly generous, uh, you could leave us a, a review or a star rating. That would be lovely. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.